Sometimes you just don't know where life will take you. From playing at Carnegie Hall to Korea and Vietnam, Jeremy Colleen loved playing for audiences on trombone. But after an injury, he had to change his path. Please enjoy this conversation with Jeremy about his musical journey and his continuing love of music. Jeremy Colleen is next on OTP. Hey, welcome aboard. Welcome to OTP. Jeremy, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I just want to thank you for taking time out of your day. I know you're a busy man. You, you just told me off camera you you got something moving tomorrow and working on, right? I know you don't want to spill the details. <laughs> yeah, I got oh, a lot bu- going on. Yeah, you're busy, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I do appreciate you taking the time. So let's jump right in. Um, tell us, did, where are you from originally, first of all? So I grew up in Highland Park, Illinois, uh, which is about 30 minutes north of Chicago. Hmm. Um, it was I went to Highland Park High School for school. Um, and yeah, I kind of grew up in that that area all my life until I went to, to college and left. Okay. All Illinois, right. So. All right, let's give some love to your your family. Do you have siblings? Uh, yeah, I have a younger sister. Um, she was not a musician at all. She uh-huh. she danced a lot growing up. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah, so she she was much more in that realm mm-hmm. of the arts side of it. But uh, my yeah. my mom played music growing up. She was in band all through high school and college okay. and stuff. Uh, she was a clarinet player, and then she oh. was a drum major at university of colorado actually oh wow first, she, yeah she was one of the first female drum majors um yeah. in the marching band so wow that's something to be proud about yeah so that's pretty cool yeah that takes some skills there and what's her name we gotta get, give a shout out to mom there oh yeah her name is carol, uh, carol. She, she doesn't live too far from you guys oh really where's she at? yeah she's in santa oh. fe Oh, cool. Very yeah. good. She just moved there uh, a few a few years ago. So very good. Maybe she was down for the balloon fiesta. We just had the balloon fiesta this week. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, she was telling me a little bit about the the eclipse that just happened. Yeah, um, yesterday, matter of fact. Yeah, she was watching that and she was telling me how like in Albuquerque and Santa Fe it was like a hundred percent uh visibility. So yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. She really she really enjoyed being able to yeah. do that. So. When this when this episode uh, goes live, it'll probably be about a a month from now. So you'll be <laughs> back. But yeah, there you go. Very yeah, good. Yeah. So um, there was music played in your house, and you had it around you a lot. Yeah, yeah. We started um, actually when I was younger. We started going to when we were going to church. We were in the choir. So I've been singing and kind of doing music has kind of been my entire life. Um, we had music playing in the house all the time. And yeah, it was just kind of a natural part of my life um, mm-hmm. all around me. So music has been in my family. My grandma's, she's 91 years old and still plays the piano every once in a while. Oh, so, God bless her. Yeah, I have a lot of cousins and they always I have one cousin that would always play the accordion when we were around. So yeah, so music has kind of been in my life. My uncle's a trombone player himself, um, and both okay. of his sons uh, played music. And his youngest son is a saxophone player and gigs all around uh, Denver and Boulder area. So, so it's in your DNA. Yeah, a little bit. At least yeah. on my mom's side, Yeah. <laughs> so now, but you didn't start right away. Take us at, at that part of your journey. How did you get to start playing on trombone? Um, I kind of, so like a lot of kids, when you get into elementary school, you have like the petting zoo, basically the instrument petting zoo. (laughs) Um, and my mom being a clarinet player, I was like, Oh, I'll play the clarinet. I'll try that. And I'll try the saxophone and all these things. And I go to try to make a noise on a clarinet and a saxophone. I couldn't make a noise. (laughs) I couldn't make a noise at all. It was my, it was terrible. Um, and then I picked up a trombone and of course, everyone going to play the trombone just gives a giant breath, and it's just a right. big, splatty bazooka sound. Um, right. And 
the teacher was just like, or whoever I was trying the instrument with was like, wow, you make a great sound on that instrument. So you should play this one. So I ended up starting playing the trombone in fifth grade and kind of that kind of led right. me right. on my journey from there. So, right. That you brought back a memory because I've done the same thing when I was teaching, you know, the kid gets a, a vibration out of the mouthpiece on, you know, trombone, euphonium or what have you. And, okay, let's make this work, you know. And you see the kid's eyes, you know, go up. <laughs> exactly. Did you, did you um, take to the sound of the trombone? Did you, when you started producing or did you hear uh, the trombone being played? Well, you said you have a uh, relatives playing trombone. So you knew what it sounded like. Did that, was that sound appealing to you? At first, like, I wasn't really sure because it was such a, it was an instrument that had been around me, but I hadn't really experienced it at all okay. um, to that extent to really understand it. As I got older, I started to love the sound of the trombone and I um, kind of loved the resonance, especially playing in big mm. open spaces, like how yeah. the instrument just sang in right. resonant halls and stuff. So that's yeah. when I started really falling in love with the sound of the trombone more than anything but at the beginning it was just kind of like oh this is a cool sounding noise i can make <laughs> lots of lots of loud noises on it so right I'm gonna, right i'm gonna do that you know uh you stirred another thought though which was as you develop into middle school and high school and all the way through but how was your ear back then i mean because i mean lord knows on trombone I dare say, and probably a lot of people listening to this will disagree, but maybe French horn maybe may be the mo more difficult instrument to find the pitch, but trombone is right up there. How was your ear when you first started? Did you find that difficult to find those E flats and E naturals and so forth? Yeah, that definitely um, took a lot of time to develop uh, my ear for sure. But the more I played with other people is when it yeah. started to develop at a higher yeah. level. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have the relationship to it, to my ear and playing until I was in probably end of middle school, early high school. I just, yeah, it just wasn't something that was focused on much. Um, it was focused on like making a good sound, knowing where the, the note lied but not until later was ear training and those things like that kind of incorporated into the daily routine of playing. Right. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. It takes a while for that to develop uh, unless you're born with perfect pitch or something like that, you know? Right. Um, but now you did um, by your notes you gave me, you started having um um, experience in vocal and working with vocal. Tell us a little bit with that. Yeah. So when I was in middle school, after being in church choir, my entire youth, um, we had the opportunity, my, there was this program called Midwest Young Artists in my area and they had a youth choir. Um, and that was something that intrigued me. So I joined this youth choir, um, and had the opportunity to sing it Carnegie Hall with this group and singing Symphony Center for during Christmas time. Um, there's a CD floating out there somewhere with me singing on it, uh, some holiday tunes. So, <laughs> but I got to work with an incredible, uh, like, I guess you could conductor, I guess you could say. Uh -huh. um, but he, his name's Gary Fry, and mm -hmm. this man is an amazing composer. He's an amazing human being, and he mm -hmm. is one of the biggest like catalysts for me. Really, take, starting to take music seriously because mm -hmm. of how passionate he was just about music. Wow. He's up, he's up there leading the choir, and he is just wow. pouring his heart and soul into it. And so, he kind of started that really big joy showing me like oh you can we can go sing here yeah. at carnegie hall go to new york and sing it in carnegie yeah. hall with this youth choir and then 
go to all these other places. So I did that for, I believe it was sixth and seventh grade. And then uh, I ended up stopping in seventh grade because I started to take the trombone much more seriously and realized that I wanted to focus more of my time on that. And I did on singing. Wow. So, That's, that is uh, amazing. I was going to ask about what age were you in and then to make that transition after having that seed planted with you in vocal, I'm just surprised that you didn't stay with the vocals and go the choir route and in that area. Tell me a little bit more about that. Why was the trombone so powerful that it it just magnetized you that way? Honestly, it, it it's a it's more of a self-confidence issue more than anything. Um, okay. Because when I was singing, I was up front more. I was the center of attention. But when I was playing trombone, <laughs> I was in the background a lot. Okay, um, okay, go so ahead. Kids in school weren't always the nicest to me. And because of that, uh, because it was such a big thing for my young age, it started all the way in like kindergarten and all it led all through school. And so it was because of that, it was I didn't like being the center of attention. In that way. And so with singing, it, I felt much more exposed. Interesting. I trombone, I was able to be in the background more. Um, and that made me feel more comfortable. So I okay. had a bigger desire to want to get better at it because I was comfortable. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Physically and everything like that. So it's just a one of those interesting psychological things yes. that I didn't realize until I was older. Yes. That is really fascinating. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, just to take a pause here, there are so many, I believe, I know I have struggled and uh, Jarrett, my son, has talked to other musicians have talked about this. I, I think almost if you play, if you're in the arts, that feeling of anxiety, if we want to call it that, uh, tension, of being out in front, we have to all deal with. It comes with the territory. Exactly. But but then you you didn't quit. You didn't no. say, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> you focused on another uh avenue at a young age. That's now did your uh choir teacher, the instructor, or anyone in your life circle at that time try to discourage you from moving toward the instrumental? No, my mom was super supportive, especially when it comes to instrumental because she had grown up in it and she knew how yeah. much of a big portion of it, of her life that it affected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was always kind of a, Oh, you want to do this? Right. Cool. Oh, you want to dance? Cool. So like I, I got that, extroverted portion out of me in some way because i'd actually grew up tap dancing as well so that's uh, kind of where my sense of rhythm came from is yes so, there you go there you go but now, let's do yeah, i go got ahead. support in all ways from my family yeah i was just my i got support from my mom in all different avenues she was yeah like just wanted me to succeed and find what i loved so all right let's give a pause for you for your mom he off camera you talked to me about this she was a drum major right yeah. First female, just tell a little bit about that to our audience for your mom. Yeah. Um, she started playing the clarinet when she was younger. She she grew up in Pueblo, Colorado, and marching band was a big part of her life. There's there's this thing, I think it's still going on today. It's called Pueblo Pride City Marching Band. Okay. Um, and so it was a out-of-school marching band on top of whatever she was got going on in school. Um, and when she went to school at University of Colorado, she got the opportunity to be in the marching band and she got the opportunity to be one of the first female drum majors at that school. Uh, there you so, go. Yeah. She wasn't, a, she wasn't a music major, but she just loved, <laughs> she loved music. It was such a big that's part it. of her life. So yeah, yeah. all it takes. Does she still play a little bit? And, you know, no, that's, not really. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, she, yeah. she just, well, uh, she still has her clarinet. I'm pretty sure. But. We'll work on her. We got a place for her here in Albuquerque. <laughs> we'll we'll bring bring her back into it. There you go. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about the Carnegie Hall experience. Uh, I think maybe some of the, the audience may want to know about that. What was that like? S Surreal is the only thing I can really <laughs> put into words. 
because at the time I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. Yeah. I mean, I was in seventh grade and I was had the opportunity to go sing in one of the biggest halls in the right. United States and even in the world and yeah. didn't have any understanding of what it was or what that meant until yeah. I was older. Um, yeah. But it, I just remember the best memory I have of it is we were there with a bunch of other choirs and we're all standing on there singing and mm. we sing the last note. And it's just resonance. You just yeah. hear it yeah. in the hall and you hear that silence for a moment right before yeah. <laughs> the applause. And it's, yeah. it's surreal. It's just a Stay with experience. you all your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What a treasure that was given to you at a young age. That's yeah. great. That's great. Diamond to keep. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you're in high school playing trombone. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. Um, played the trombone all through high school. Uh, mm -hmm. When I was in my junior year of high school, actually, is when I was like really adamant that I wanted to pursue music as a career. Mm -hmm. um, and I was at an honor band festival. Um, and the conductor on the podium, uh, his name was Patrick Sweeten, who was a lieutenant in the Navy band. He At that time, he was the director of the Great Lakes Navy band. Okay. Um, and so he was up there conducting and he made a comment at one point, if anyone's looking for private teachers or anything like that, come reach out to me. Uh, we have great musicians in the Navy. And so that was kind of my first exposure to the Navy band and the Navy fleet bands. Right. Yeah. Um, and I ended up going and talking to him and he said, Oh, I'm a trombone player myself. So come over to my house and we'll start yeah. lessons. And that is where it all kind of all yeah. began. It didn't begin there, but that's when, right. yeah, like, it was, I became very, very serious about the, the instrument itself because yeah. I had someone motivating me externally yeah. to right. do better and was giving me and guiding me in the way right. that I right. hadn't had a lot of up until that point. Yeah. You had a mentor there Yeah, that was going to take your hand, and pass the baton. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. right on. Yeah, that's uh, that typically happens with uh, music educators or musicians, either even even on the street corner. You know, you get somebody that will teach you whatever way they can. But that's that's great. So um, you had to make a decision on um, college and playing, and how did that come about? Yeah, I, I was starting to take auditions and stuff like that, going to different schools, visiting them, meeting the professors and trying sure. to decide what was best for me. And when this all started, um, my teacher at the time was like, oh, you should check out George Mason. I know the teacher there. He's a great trombone player, a great person. Um, and so I was like, OK, I might as well go out there for a visit, you know, right. I go out there for a visit and I'm just, I love the campus. I love the, this, the facilities right. and the teacher was just someone I could just have a conversation with, you know, right, right, right I right. didn't feel that sense of, Oh, you are just, you're, you're a greater person than me. You're treating, you're not treating me like I'm less than you. You're just yeah. treating me like a person. Um, and that's, that spoke to me because it was like, wow, we can just work on stuff. We can just play together. And then while we're doing that, you're going to help give me information and skills and tricks right. to better myself as a player. Um, and you're invested in that. And you're not just invested in me as a box to check. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and right. with some schools that can be, that can be the case. It's like, oh, how many people can we get? No, it's about he wanted to work with me because we connected and I wanted to work with him because of the same way. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a, it was a pretty uh, big impression he made that Matt Neff is his name um, made on me at the time, just as someone looking for that um, next step because moving to 
uh, I went to George, I ended up going to George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and moving all halfway across the country from Illinois, right. you know, was a big step for me. I was most of the schools yeah. I was looking at were either in state yeah. or very close by. So right. um, yeah. that was important to my mom as well, that I would be with someone who actually cared about right. me as a person, you know? Right. Keep you on the straight and narrow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm feeling you on that because I was from Boston and uh, my dad died when I was 16 and I went to Grambling State in Louisiana. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know where Louisiana was. <laughs> <laughs> all I knew was Boston and New York and Maine and New Hampshire and all that mess, you know. Uh, yeah. So totally understand where you're coming from on that and being a young person and having someone to. Uh... Also, you mentioned I, I want to talk a little bit about that because I think that's important. Um, the last podcast I did we talked about the relationship in the universities and the atmosphere in universities with the music department. And some universities can be kind of overwhelming, kind of pressurized, and you don't get that personalized connection that you talked about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that always stuck out to me was that I would go to my lessons and I would, we'd go, we'd play, we'd talk uh, about whatever. We'd work on a lot of different things and it wasn't a time slot. Yeah. My lesson started at like 4 p.m. and got over at 7 p.m. That's when right. my lesson got over. Yeah. It wasn't, they, he was invested in me as a player and he created an environment that didn't make it feel like it was just a transactional yeah, right occurrence. Yeah. Um, because I'd had experiences like that in the past where it was very much a transactional experience rather than a communication and working together to better myself. Yeah. yeah. And like but the focus was not on, Oh, let's, go through these exercises only. And then once we're done with that, you'll do this, this, and the other. It was, what are you working on now? How can we get you to where yeah. we ultimately want to be? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of funny. I had this similar experience at Grambling with my uh, sax instructor, Mr. Seals. And he literally, uh, one time, one part of my journey was I started straying away from my horn because mm -hmm. I, I sort of found, ladies <laughs> and uh, he told me you know i went back he said you're not practicing you know he said uh come back when you decide you go to practice and told me don't come back you know yeah. and finally i learned okay this is what i need to do uh went back and then when it was time for me to graduate uh i wanted to stay one more Ye, um semester uh and he said no it's time for you to go and he literally forced me to graduate you know, the, marching <laughs> the marching band was going the grambling state university world fame tiger marching band uh was going to uh go back to japan and uh i wanted to go back with him but anyway um so i totally understand what you're talking about you also had an experience with the American Festival Pop Orchestra. Tell us about that. I don't know a lot about that. Yeah, so it was a, a kind of an orchestra that was in around. Um, it was in D.C. It was led by uh, Tony Maiello, okay. who is a very big in the wind band and orchestra conducting oh. world. He he's written a couple books on conducting itself, mm -hmm. um, and being at George Mason, he was a professor there. So I got to actually work with him in aural skills and in conducting. And one of the things he did is he takes, takes a couple students um, when he feels they're ready to, and he, he hires them to play in the orchestra with him. Um, wow. And this orchestra is comprised of all local musicians around the area, people in mil all like the, a lot of the brass section was all in the military bands. Same with the, uh, um, woodwind section and there was a lot of sh like faculty from the university on top of that as well so everyone sure. that was playing in this group was 
like actively playing um, yeah. at a very high level. So I got the opportunity to sit alongside them for a couple of their concerts, which was an incredible experience. Um, but Tony Milo is one of those other people that kind of altered my life um, mm -hmm. because I was not the greatest at oral skills, especially <laughs> at his level, the level he was teaching. Um, it was very much a, a A, B or not today was his motto. That <laughs> he would come up to you and you'd, sing the tonality he and you tonicize everything you go ahead and you click off the tempo of the exercise yeah. and you'd have to, to sing it you had time to practice it the night before and if you couldn't yeah. sing it it's a b or not today yeah. Um, yeah but i just remember i was in oral skills three and i was it was hard it's really hard i was yeah. not the greatest at it yeah. um but i went to his office every single day for his office hours just to get that practice and those reps um yeah. Yeah. And one of the things he said to me, it was like, you are, you are extremely hardworking. That is one of the reasons I am passing you. It is there not you because <laughs> I shouldn't have passed that class. I definitely, in my opinion, should not have passed that class. Cause I was not, I was just not, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. he knew how hard I worked and how right. I was not giving up on it. Yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah, fortitude. It, you had the fortitude. Yeah, yeah it, it has that mindset kind of ingrained in me for mm -hmm. the rest of my life. You know, it's just yeah. it's one of those things where it's like someone didn't give up on you, right? You know, they right. believed in you, and you put the work in, and they see that, and it's a validation of that. And I think yeah. that's a huge thing in just life. Yeah, that, that validation. Absolutely. And also, you, you probably either consciously or subconsciously found out that you did not give up on yourself, that yeah. you could see that. And it helps you as you move forward there. You graduate from college. Uh, what year was that about? Uh, 2017. So uh -huh. I took my audition for the Navy um the second day i think of the second semester of my junior year of college um <laughs> and i got the job and basically went to my administrator and was like how can i graduate at the end of the semester <laughs> with a music degree um and because i had started as music education i had a couple other extra credits i changed the performance my sophomore year and right. i picked, decided to do a minor on top of that um that actually was my saving grace because they were like okay you can do 24 credits this semester and then <laughs> more credits in the summer so i think i did 36 credits in a semester in a summer wow. yeah. to graduate uh, i gave two recitals um i did an internship and played in as many groups as i could right on top of trying to <laughs> graduate school <laughs> so <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was a crazy last like six yeah. months of my life before I joined the Navy. Seven seven or eight months, yeah. Now what joining in August of that year, 2017. Okay. So what what out of the blue did it that just pushed you right away to go into the Navy and do that audition? Um I had already kind of knew that was i wanted to be in a military band that's one of the reasons oh. i wanted to another reason i wanted to go to uh george mason is because it was right right outside of dc Got um it. because my influence from my teacher in high school and then my teacher okay. one of my teachers in college was military band so i saw that right. and i saw what it could bring um from a musical point of sure. view of like having a job playing um right. And getting to travel and things like that so sure yeah that yeah. was kind of the biggest reasons i wanted to do that um my backup plan if i didn't win a military band job was to try to work for a nonprofit or, or go to grad school so yeah um, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it was i was yeah. at a point in my life where i had really no reason not to do it and right my biggest thing was i really just wanted to get my degree I just wanted yeah. to graduate. So at that point it was like, I had the job and right. now I need to 
get out school. Yeah. Yeah. The whole yeah. point of me coming to school was to get a job and now I've right. have a job. So how yeah. can I get this done? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So that's great. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. No, and we you. appreciate that because you don't take it lightly. You know, you, people think, um, Oh, you're going to play music and everything, but the bottom line is just signing your life away for Uncle Sam for so many years and uh, something I didn't do, and uh, but you're doing it for us, and we appreciate that, man. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so now you're I, – oh, I wanted to – I made a little note here. Are you? Have you ever thought about – uh, or are you thinking about teaching down the road or is that not off the table? Uh, it was never really off the table. Um, uh, I have done some teaching. I've taught some private lessons and things like that. Sure. Um, but I don't know if, I don't know if I'll ever want to teach like elementary school, middle school or high school. Um, yeah. It's I just, I really like to teach people that really want to learn because I'm that <laughs> type of person. I want to say that in the nicest way possible because. Well, that's a good, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I give all the credit to music teachers because some kids are just there for the credit and they, they no matter how much you try to inspire them and get them to love music and want to practice and want to grow. Um, some of them are just there because it's an extracurricular yeah. and they yeah. don't want to, they're not passionate yeah. about it, Right. Yeah. which is yeah. awesome because they know what they're passionate about or they're trying to find something else they're passionate about. Right. But um, because I am such a passionate person myself, <laughs> it makes it very hard for me to um, yeah. invest the energy in things that, if people aren't as passionate or aren't passionate about what they're doing. Right. So I think that's why I enjoyed teaching private lessons because the people that were paying for private lessons wanted to learn. Um, yeah. So. But on that note, and this is what sort of drove me toward teaching is that like your instructors with you, especially like the chorus and so forth, yeah. You get to see someone and you see something in someone. Now they may not see it in themselves yet. Right. <laughs> and you get to plant that seed, and especially uh young people. I mean, I started in my, teaching in my 20s. Yeah. And when you're still young, you don't have the gray hair and that old foggy <laughs> guy. Uh those kids gravitate and then they like you did, like I did, they see someone that, well, you know what? I, I like what he's doing. I like what she's doing. That's something that I would be interested in. And then you have to decide, find out whether they got the ability, the skill levels, yeah. are they going to work and all that comes on. But anyway, I'm plugging the teaching aspect on it. Put a bug in your ear, you know, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it's I, I give, yeah, yeah go ahead. You know, all I was going to say is I give all the kudos to all the music educators out there because it is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. I, I totally get you. Uh, it is um, uh, a, a job where you're um, trying to work with a mold that it may not want to be molded, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. But you, you have that um, history in you you have that insight. I can, I, we've met, I can tell yeah. you have that caring and nurturing aspect of yourself in there and you're growing. So, you know, like you said, you keep it on the table. Now you, you get into the uh, Navy there and uh, boot camp. How was that? Let's talk briefly about that. <laughs> I personally, the biggest thing I struggled about with boot camp um, was accepting that even if I'm not the one that made the mistake, I still <laughs> had to pay the price for it. All um, in one. Yeah. So that was the hardest part for me about it. But 
other than that, I didn't find it as difficult as other people might have um, right. from that regard. I wasn't sleeping very much in college, so I slept great. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I always tell I always tell people is that it's like I got some of the best sleep of my life in boot camp. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. we had they were made us take eight hours of sleep yeah. for most of the night, so it was like, yeah. hey, I can do that. I can do <laughs> that. Yeah, but yeah. it was not easy. By like mentally, it was not the easiest thing in the world. But right, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I had some great people in my division when I was in boot camp. I was actually in boot camp. I think with twelve different musicians oh, um, cool. 12 yeah that were so there was a lot of us doing going through the same mm -hmm. same thing and with the same right career afterwards so it was right. yeah. yeah so that was kind of cool to meet those people as well while going through it some of them i still talk to this day and sure so, yeah yeah so you go to a school mm -hmm. and explain that to the audience there are a lot of people that are not military aware i was not if, if with jared not being in there uh, talk to us about what that is and why do you have to go there yeah it's it's just something the navy does for um if you're not in the premier bands you have to go to a, a training school um mm -hmm. almost every i think every other job in the navy does that mm -hmm. where you just go to a it's called an a school where you go and you learn how to do your job <laughs> so, yeah. that's the best way to yeah. describe it right um yeah it's, it's how, so, how long is it it's anywhere from like i think three months to six months depending on if you accelerate out so there's mm -hmm. and then you go to a band so it's yeah, yeah it's a, just a blip in the journey it's <laughs> that's the best way <laughs> to put it. yeah but, it's a pimple <laughs> yeah yeah so now you're you're on your way. Where was your first uh, deployment or your stop? Oh yeah, I was stationed in Hawaii for three years. Um, wow. Yeah, from 2018 to 2021, um, I got to do some great traveling there and see different places. Um, I met my wife there, which was yeah. obviously great. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so I love the islands so much. Uh -huh. um, it's a magical place to be able to go somewhere where you're just surrounded by beauty and water, you know, there you go. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to travel to Vietnam and Korea and perform in those countries in Micronesia, um, mm -hmm. part of Pacific partnership. And then, yeah, during when COVID hit, I was still there and we were not doing as much, but, um, I started getting to running a lot. So actually I uh, oh. ran around the island of Oahu. And at the time I had set the, the record for actually running the fastest time around oh. the island. Wow, yeah. look at you. All around right. Island, so, Yeah, keep doing that. Stay healthy. <laughs> there you yeah. go. And what's your wife's name? Her name's Rika. She's a dancer. Rika. Okay. A choreographer, so. Great. In the arts. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah, she was That's dancing. Great. Uh, in a show in Waikiki when we met, and now she mainly does uh, gymnastics choreography. So cool, that's great. Yeah, she yeah. choreographs for anywhere from young gymnasts to elite gymnasts. All right, there you go. Yeah. What an experience! <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So now tell us a little bit about those gigs because there are a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of people we've been exposed as a as a parent of a Navy performer but what was it like um, playing in all those areas what was your audience like the music you were playing give us a little insight yeah um it, it varied from time to time when i whenever we travel but um I, I got to travel to micronesia with a brass band and that was we were playing at a bunch of schools for all these people that may not have ever seen this before like yeah. live music like at that level and like that before right. so it was just well, life-changing <laughs> is the best way yeah. to put it just to see the pure joy and love for what we were doing <laughs> on their face like the innocence. There's no other way to describe that even from yeah. the adults it was like everyone was just so entranced with what we were doing and they just were oh, so man. attentive 
to yeah, what love it. was happening. And that's an experience I can never forget because it's yeah. like you, you're sitting there, you're playing your heart out and they are fully focused right. and in love with what they're doing. You, they might not even, they, they weren't able to understand the words of what we were saying some of the time, right. <laughs> but they just loved what we were doing and they were a hundred percent invested in it, which is yeah. Yeah. something you don't always get as a performer. You know, you yeah. don't always get people yeah. giving their entire attention to what you're doing. It's sometimes right. it's, you're just playing and people are walking by and passing by and going about their day. Right. Right. But in, yeah. whenever I've gotten the opportunity to play overseas, it has been pretty cool um, audiences yeah. that we've played for because everyone's just invested in it. Right, right. They give you that love of yeah. the ear. Yeah, Absolutely. there you go. So now um, your journey transition, transitions to audio engineering. How in the world did that happen? Yeah, um, when I got to uh, Washington State at Navy Band Northwest, where I'm at now, um, I started to develop a lot of pain in my elbow. Um, to the point where I was just in so much pain all the time whenever I played that I went to the doctor to kind of see what was going on. Um, yeah. And I found out I had a bunch of things wrong with my elbow. Um, wow. And so I ended up having two surgeries on my elbow in the last year, which didn't, which unfortunately didn't fix the problem. Um oh. Yeah, so it, it started in twenty end of 2021, and I stopped playing in um, basically beginning of 2022. Right. And yeah, ever since then, it's just my elbow is not going to recover, unfortunately. Um, yeah. it's There's just so many things wrong with it. Um, yeah. So I'm not really able to play the horn without being in excruciating pain. Um, oh. So I had to find a new way to express myself. And I was already kind of interested in doing things with audio and sound. Um, and it had gotten to the point where now I wanted to, I needed to focus my energy on something else. Um, right. Because at the time I thought I was hopefully that it would come back. And so I was just doing audio and hoping that, oh, maybe this will come back. You know, maybe I'll gain the re regain the ability to play again. Um, and as time went on and I realized that that wasn't going to happen as much, my investment right. into audio and sound kind of took off, I should say. Um, I just was even more invested. It gave me a new way to express myself musically. It gave me a new way to just be a part of music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's, yeah. it, you have so much love and passion for something and you sure. don't choose to walk away from it. Right. 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 And yeah, I think that preach. was the hardest, the hardest part was it wasn't my choice. Right. Um, and because of that, it's like it plays a toll on you mentally. And it yeah. kind of really has been a, one of the hardest, hardest things to kind of deal with is because it's like you go to school you put invest right. your entire life just in right. music and playing this instrument. Um, and it's a part of you. It's part of your identity. And that's kind of taken away. Yeah, um, sure. And so when I found audio and I really started to get involved in it and really found that I could express myself musically through it, it, it right. kind of took over, you know, and right. that same passion I had came back tenfold because I, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I just, I love music so much. It's such a big part of my, who I am. So, you know, wow. There's so much there, Jeremy. First of all, the common thread from just a layman like myself looking at your life, that, you started out this talk about the kids in their school giving you a hard time. I mean, let's put it where it, where it shines, the bullying that you yeah. had. And 
that fortitude that you had then all the way through to even when you didn't know you had the foresight to go to trombone, but you did take you to take that avenue and developing that love for that instrument, moving forward, and then just on your journey, not giving up. And then all of a sudden, after all these wonderful experiences overseas and so forth, I can't even imagine uh, your instrument having to put it away and what you went through mentally, physically, pain, and your spiritual, that again, whatever seed that you have in in you, you had it come back and refocus you on another element of music. And bravo, bravo, man. Thank you. Your mother, your mother must be just like, that's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's my yeah. baby. That's my baby. <laughs> yeah, she's very, um, very supportive of everything I've done. So oh yeah, I'm proud, man. Cause yeah. all the all the uh you know, the degree, the playing and everything else, but the biggest mountain that you had to uh climb was your, the mountain of yourself in your mind after that injury. Yeah. Do they know how that developed? Did it come from playing basketball when you were youth or it came from or, playing trombone? Really? How do yeah. you like that? Wow. Yeah, it was a big kind of catalyst of overuse injuries, bad luck with that joint in sure. general. Um, and just yeah. some of it was, yeah, just overuse over time. Right. Um, right. And I guess it just, they don't really, like that's the best explanation they have is overuse. Uh, they, yeah. they haven't really, they don't know why it got to the point it did. They don't know why um, the stuff that developed with it developed in the way that it did. Um, yeah, sure. So it's just unfortunate yeah. in that way. You know, it's, I mean, I don't think it, it's talked about, it's talked about a lot in music and just arts in general, but it's like mental health is such a big aspect of that. And absolutely, um, a lot of people don't see what people are going through. Right um, on. They just, because people are just smiling and having the gr greatest time on stage. Right. Um, and it's, sometimes not realize how much of a toll that it puts on you mentally when Absolutely. things aren't going right, or you've been investing hours yeah. and hours and hours into one thing. And then you come to the performance yeah. and it doesn't go the way you want it to. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, that, I, that's been the hardest part of the journey. Honestly, yeah. is getting yeah. over those mental humps, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's, and it's this yeah. everyday battle, you know, it's, yep. You just got to keep moving forward and not give up. And that's the thing I've really yeah. learned over the years about everything is everything yeah. can go wrong as long as I get up and don't give up, even yeah. if I feel like giving up. Yeah. You're right on. Yeah. So now you're on this new, new path. And again, for those that are not aware, I really feel the audio engineer is that unsung hero. <laughs> because you know you're not on stage you're not doing all that stuff or anything but let's face it if that sax player the trumpet the vocalist would have you you know you get that you work their magic and it just gives you that little icing on the cake there to make it sound just you know the top of the product tell us a little bit about the job uh, as as an audio engineer, I mean, there's so many different areas in the job. You know, there's everywhere from live sound, um, which is mainly what I've done in the Navy, um, to studio recording, um, mm. things like that. So I've fortunately been exposed to a lot of it just with the nature of the Navy. Um, the main job is running live sound. So I design the sound system that we use. I have to make sure all the microphones work everything's routed properly everything's set up the correct way right um and then 
from there, make sure the show goes the way it's supposed to, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. we talk a lot about how a lot of it's problem solving. Um, mm -hmm. And the other part of it for live is making the music, you know, right, right, because right. you'll show up to a, at least in, the, in our job, you'll show up to a gig and they'll say, you'll call and be like, oh yeah, we need this many uh, circuits. And yeah. you show up, they're like, oh yeah, we have these two outlets that are on the same <laughs> circuit. So, yeah. Oh, That's so it. now we have yeah. to redesign. I have okay. to decide what system I'm going to use based on that. You know, right. what we yeah. do with power not working. Right. Weather, right. you know, all yeah. these, all these different factors will affect right. sound. So it's being able to think on my feet and right. move on the fly. And so troubleshoot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, that's the biggest part of the job for live sound yeah. is troubleshooting. Yeah. And then when it comes to like mixing and the studio side of it, um, it's, there's so many different avenues in that. There are people that specifically focus on just being recording engineers, you know, right. they're mixing engineers that after the track's been recorded and everything, they send it to someone who mixes the, right. the track. I mean, then there's yeah. a mastering engineer who takes the track after it's been, everything's been summed together and added into a, right. the, what you hear on the, on the radio. And he makes it sound like you would hear on the radio. He right. or she makes it sound like how, what you would hear on the radio on iTunes, whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's just so many different layers to yeah. audio that I don't think a lot of people yeah. don't necessarily realize the, yeah, absolutely. Um, but with today's technology, like anyone can buy a computer and a microphone <laughs> and an audio interface and, Right. Yeah. It's very much um people can make start their careers themselves. So right. it's the next step of my journey has kind of been figuring out what is how am I going to be able to break into that aspect of right. the because unfortunately my time in the Navy has to come to an end because of my elbow. Right. Um but so I've been doing a lot more of building my studio um really focusing on learning recording and mixing and so yeah. i do a little i do a little bit of that on the side I, uh, uh so i'll record and i'll people will send me their tracks that they've already recorded and i'll mix them i'll mix right. them for them you know and yeah. help with that right. um so it's yeah it's definitely a lot different yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we have an example of your work uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to set this up a little bit? Uh, this is, sure. uh, I think, this summer, I believe. Oh yeah, this is a recording um, from a live show we did in connection with Seafair. Uh, this is the rock band I'm working with. Um, I think you've had a couple of the guys on the podcast before. Ray right. Craig is the drummer. Um, your son's playing saxophone in it. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, Jesse's the guy singing. So, all right, let's take yeah. a look at it. There you go. Boys to men, 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 boys to men. Small town Billy's back again. Well, I know I'll get a copy strike for that, but I'm not in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, that's great. I mean, the quality is right there. You can hear it. Yeah, it's some good work. Thank you. Yeah, that was a interesting one because it was on a pier um, next to one of the ships. And <laughs> so it's just a, it was one of those things where I recorded the show because I wanted something to work on for later. and. That was just okay. 
one of those things that I was able to put that right. together. So, yeah, yeah. Good work. Thank you. Well, you know, um, before we close off here, tell us what's your future. Uh, when do you leave out of the Navy and what do you plan? So we can uh, all tell everyone I, I taught him everything he knows, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the timeline's kind of unknown with the process right now with me transitioning out to my, my elbow, um, but it most likely will be sometime next year. Um, and then we're I'm going to be staying in the Seattle area okay. for a little bit. Yeah, we're going to. Uh, I'm going to continue doing audio and things like that. So great, great. if people are interested in yeah. <laughs> working with me at all, just you can find yeah. me on Instagram and stuff like it's just at Jeremy Colleen, my first and last name. Cool. Yeah. yeah you can reach out there, you know. All right. So, yeah. Plug it. If they need some uh, mixing done and audio work. Yeah. And if you want to record, just let me know, you know, <laughs> if you're in the area. Great. So, Right. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, I always uh, ask our guests. Um, music has been such a part. That's just mildly stating. It has not just been a part of your life. It has been the catalyst, the the hook that dragged you through your life. Um, talk to the people that are listening that are either my age or young and um, maybe have given up playing. Maybe your mom, school your mom, getting back into music <laughs> a little bit. We have the New Horizon band down here in Albuquerque, and that's four 50s and older musicians that come back and play. Talk to us about what, why music is so important for our, our being. In my experience when it comes to music, Whenever I am down or whenever I'm happy or whenever I'm feeling any emotion, I can turn to music to either sit with me in that emotion or bring me out of that emotion or inspire me to do something difficult or whatever it might be. And it's, it's, part of who I am. It's part of what just inspires me to keep going. I guess I could say it's music can change lives. Right. And it can just bring people together. Yeah. Um, you know, I met my wife dancing at, mm -hmm. she was dancing, came out dancing at a salsa club because I was playing in a Latin band at the time, a salsa band. Um, and I met her because she was dancing, you know, <laughs> you and go. we danced together and music brought yeah. that together. You That's know, it. yeah, dance was a part of that, but you wouldn't have right. that experience if music wasn't there. There you go. You know, you wouldn't have some of the just amazing events that have happened in this world without music. That's right. You know, there you go. Yeah. I, just, I remember hearing Michael Jackson's Thriller album for the first time and it was just yeah <laughs> life changing. you know it's what's just life-changing to sit there and listen to that right, right just to hear the passion and the joy and you watch videos of michael dancing it's yeah like, the music is inspiring him to move the way he does same with elvis right. yeah the re elvis just moved the way he did because of music there the music you go. Brought him, moved moved him yeah. that much that's it and so that's music is just that catalyst to joy right peace yeah even suffering you know but it it yeah. helps us through helps yeah. me in particular through everything and it brings people together and that's why yeah. music um can't ever stop being a musician yeah. it's what there brings people go. together you know yeah right on couldn't i you know you got the word in their joy and uh, uh something that we all need especially in these days so uh, god bless you and your wife and uh, your mom and your family. And I'm so happy that you're, you're moving forward with your audio work. And thank you, thank you. Uh, so much for coming and taking the time to share your journey and inspiring others to keep doing and moving forward. 
We want to thank also the audience for listening. We do appreciate it. Uh, check, check out Jeremy. And if you need somebody to mix, give him some money. He'll do it for <laughs> you. <laughs> and let's go on out and play all the right notes. <laughs>